Hello fellow adventurers, I'm Josie Thompson and welcome to You Can Shine podcast where I explore real stories of real people just like you and I who have faced adversities and trials and won. Today I'm here with Bill Bennett. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. I met Bill in October 2022 at the Brisbane premiere of his latest film, Facing Fear. Bill Bennett is one of Australia's most respected film directors. He's won several major international awards and Australian Film Institute awards. In his earlier television work, he won two Logie Awards for Television Reporter of the Year and for Most Outstanding Documentary of the Year. Bill Bennett is partner to Jennifer Clough and father to three children who are 39, 36 and 33 and he is now a granddad as of two weeks ago. A fun fact about Bill is he used to collect snakes as a child and can always pick the best restaurant no matter where he is. And he's just a good-hearted bloke. So welcome, Bill Bennett. <laughs> well, thank you, Josie. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. <laughs> so, Bill, I've done a little bit of a rundown on some of your career highlights, mm -hmm. but tell us your real story, the story underneath who is Bill Bennett? What are some of the formative experiences that have shaped your life? Oh, crikey. You know, you spend your life trying to figure out who the bloody hell you are. Mm. <laughs> At least I do. Um, and that's probably the, the hardest question to, to answer. Um, but look, I'm somebody who, from a very early age, um, had curiosity and always was trying to find the truth in things. At a very early age, I developed a social conscience that... Um, that influenced my early work as a reporter. Um, I was probably an angry young man in that I really railed against injustice. And one of the things that really got up my nose was um, stupid, blind bureaucracy, people just following rules simply because the rules were there. You know, I regard rules as being things you can bend or break um, as long as you don't um, hurt anyone mm. or break any, break any laws, that is. Um, but um, I love stories of um, from a very early age, from my earliest memories, really. I always had a camera around my neck. I was always writing and I was always reading. Um, mm -hmm. and as a youngster, I would, um, when my mum and dad would put me to bed, I would uh, crawl under the covers. I would form a little tent with my knees and I would read by the light of a torch. Mm. Um, so I, I was always reading. Um, formative periods of my life, um, there are basically three and I can look back on them now and see them as major turning points. One is I was a reporter at that point, I'd left the ABC. I'd spent 10 years at the ABC. I left the ABC and was working for a show on Channel 7 here in Australia called Willisy at 7. It was the highest rating television show on air at the time. I was a senior reporter at the tender age of 23 or 24, whatever it was. Um, and I had a very bad car accident. Uh, I was in a film vehicle that was coming back to the station uh, late one evening. The car had a telegraph pole. I ended up in hospital in the spinal unit with a broken back for four months. 
Um, wow. Looking back on it now, it was a terribly important thing to happen because I'd been at the height of my career. I was, um, you know, I was uh, the top reporter on the highest rating show on television. Um, when I came out of hospital, I picked up the Logie for Television Reporter of the Year. I was at the pinnacle of my career at such a young age. But what happened in hospital was I realised that it was all bullshit. You know, I realised that the life that I've been living and the work that I've been doing was a lie. Um, it was a huge wake-up call for me, a huge epiphany. And I literally picked up the Logie and the next morning I walked into Mike Willis's office and I said, I'm resigning. I'm getting out of here. And he was absolutely dumbfounded. He said, are you crazy? You know, you're, you're, you've just won the Logie for Television Reporter of the Year. You can do anything in this industry. You can, you know, the world is your oyster. I said, it, it's just not for me. And I, I don't feel like I should be doing this anymore. So tell me more about that, because from the outside, people will look at that and go, oh, wow, what a dream. You know, this guy's been acknowledged for his contribution. And all of a sudden, what was it about that experience that was bullshit to you? I, I realised what I, you know, it was really interesting, Josie. I, I was in hospital. Literally, I was in the spinal unit for for that period of time. I had a plaster cast from my from my chest right down to my knees. Mm. I couldn't move. I was in a cylinder of plaster for four months over over the, the summer in Sydney. You know, I had skin defoliating under my plaster it was just horrible it was torturous mm, mm. But what happened was I saw this show each night that I had been so wedded to and I saw it for what it was and that is that it was um it, it, it was using news and people suffering for entertainment purposes and I I didn't like the fact that you were taught to approach everything with a sense of mistrust you were all you you were inculcated into this into this way of thinking that everybody was a liar, everybody was a cheat, everybody had something to hide. And that went against my sort of underlying belief, in fact, that that, that that's not the case at all. Mm. You know, that, that that everybody at their heart is good in nature. You know, their 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 natural state of being is one of love. I, I just realized that was I had to get out. So that sounds like a, a real, like a, a rude awakening for you. You know, um, later on I went to make make a film on intuition, as you know, mm. and what I realise now, looking back on it, is mm. that I needed the um, the tumult of this horrific car accident to change my direction in life. It's one of the things that I'm really quite fascinated by. Do we have a purpose in life? You know, do we... Do we have a trajectory? Mm. Um, and I had, I because I was good at something, you know, it's one of the traps we can all fall into. Mm. You get good at something, even though you may not necessarily like it, but you get good at it mm. and you get promoted and you get lauded and you get money and all of that sort of thing. And you, and you get to a point where you go, well, yeah, you know, look, I'm getting money, I'm getting status, I'm getting people saying nice things about me. But this is not who I am. This is not where I want to be. Mm. And so what happens, what happened in my case, was it, it took the ferocity, the brutality of this, you know, car wreckage. I was in the back of a film vehicle that was written off. All the heavy film equipment in metal cases um, 
shifted forward into me, you know, into my back. I was um, I was in ICU for a week, you know. I was mm. really knocked up. Mm. Um, but I needed that. I needed that. That size, if you like, of an interference to shift me from that tra- tra- trajectory to the true direction that I w- really wanted to be on. I, I resigned and I went back to the ABC to make documentaries. I dropped money by about three quarters. Um, whereas before, if ever I wanted to go somewhere, they'd either put me in a limo or give me the chopper. Mm. Um, I found myself going to interview people taking the bus mm. you know, because the ABC had no money. Mm. Uh, you know, it was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Bill, this is this is something that I can absolutely relate to, um, and I have, uh, you know, with my own experience at 24 years old, you know, never having any sickness or illness in my family, and then being given six months to live, you know, with cancer. And for me, the 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 thing that I've realised, I'd never had that opportunity to pause and to reflect on deeper matters that. You that skip your awareness when you're just caught up in the day-to-day of everyday activity and indoctrinated by things that you've been led to believe in without your own conscious inquiry. And so for me, it was like a significant um, event that stops you in your tracks and places you on the path you were destined for Mm. before being influenced by the external world is that what happened to you absolutely correct yeah Yeah. absolutely correct i didn't realize it at the time and Mm -hmm. now knowing what i know about intuition this was um my intuition uh, reconfiguring me wow resetting me yeah Mm, yeah so tell me about the second incident the second incident was um uh when i was in new orleans i was making a thriller with burt reynolds and I was uh, driving to the airport early one morning. I had to catch an early flight back to Los Angeles for a casting session. And as I was approaching an intersection, I had a green light up ahead and I heard a voice which said, slow down. I ignored it. I'd never heard a voice before. Uh, I went to accelerate again. The voice came in a second time more emphatically, slow down. I slowed down. And then this massive truck, a big semi-trailer, uh, Went through a stop. Went through a red light. It was hurled through the intersection. I then slammed on the brakes. It narrowly missed me. Um, just went straight on through the night, and I pulled up on the other side of the intersection with my heart sort of pounding and shaking with adrenaline. And because that that truck would have killed me if if I if I hadn't heard that voice, if I hadn't acted on that voice, that truck would have killed me. And so I pulled up and I thought, what on earth just happened here? Mm. Um, and I had three questions that came from that. One was, what was that voice? The second was, why, where did that voice come, come from? And the third was, why did that voice save my life? And that, um, that was the start then of a 10-year inquiry into intuition. Um, I ended up making a film called PGS Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. Mm. And in making that film, um, I changed fundamentally as a person. Mm. I went from being um, a rational, logical, um, um, evidence-based thinking person um, to somebody who 
saw the world as a much more complex, um, larger dimension, if you like. Multi-dimensional. Multi-dimensional. Reality. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's huge. And what was the third incident, Bill? The third incident was my getting Parkinson's disease. Um, I had finished the intuition film and I was in America. I was driving. Um, I was with my wife. We were going from screening to screening, doing Q&As and marketing the film. I remember taking my hand off the steering wheel and putting, holding it up to Jennifer and my hands trembling and trembling like this. I said, and she took, she took my hand in both her hands, cup, mm. cupped my hand in her hands mm. to try and have her energy steady me. And it didn't. Um, 18 months later, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And that was, um, was a major, major turning point for me in my life. Um, I had, prior to this, I had decided that I would make a film on fear. In making the film on intuition, I had discovered that fear was the biggest obstacle to intuition. Um, you know, a lot of people get an intuitive hit, but but they ignore it because they're fearful of where, where it might take them. Um, and I became quite fascinated by fear, wanting to know what it was and how it worked. And I thought the best way to satisfy my curiosity would be to make a film on it. Um, so it was kind of, Josie, it was kind of like the universe saying to me, um, Bill, if you're going to make a film on fear, okay, we're going to show you fear. We're going to show you real fear. <laughs> and if you want to do this, mate, cop this. And then, and then let, let's talk about fear from, from a point of authenticity. That, that's kind of like what it felt like. That, that is so beautiful because I can totally relate to this. When, um, when I, I remember the, the moment the doctor came in and gave me the prognosis and I, in the split second, because I had operated in a very rational analytic world, my initial response was, how do you know that for sure? So when he actually said, you have six months, my initial response, I could feel the fear rising in me, but I went straight to the logical brain and said, how do you know that for sure? And the thing that it showed me, Bill, and I'm not sure if you can relate to this, is that the only way I could counter the sensation of the fear arising within me was to only deal with facts. I refused to follow that that alarm system within me that started to panic because of the unknown that all of a sudden my life was thrown into the into disarray that everything I was led to believe about reality about God about what happens to people in life you know was out the window because now I didn't have a frame of reference for my new experience so I decided in that moment that I was only going to deal with facts and so that allowed me to keep my feet steady on the ground. And I'm curious about this voice of, of intuition that was creeping in for you. And you asked yourself the questions about, you know, what was that voice? Where did it come from? And why did it save me? You know, why did it choose you? you know? So in just in doing your research for that film and then subsequently your latest film, what have you learned and how has it enabled you to approach your condition now? Well, my situation was a little bit different from yours, Josie, in the sense that um, I, when I finally went to the neurologist, 
I knew pretty much that I had Parkinson's disease. I'd done my research. I had all of the classic symptoms. If he had told me that it was something else, and I, I hoped he would, <laughs> I was hoping that he would tell me that it was a minor stroke or something like that, you know, which I could recover from, because Parkinson's is an in incurable, progressive, degenerative disease. There's no cure for it. It gets worse and worse over time. Mm. Um, but he told me I had Parkinson's disease and I was absolutely implacable. Uh, you know, I asked questions. I didn't show any emotion. I felt no fear at all. Um, I just nodded my head and said, yes, that makes sense and so forth. I went outside and I phoned my wife and told her. And then when I got home and I hugged my wife, it just hit me. It slammed me. And I broke down because I realized that my life was not going to be as I had thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I've been fit. I've been doing these long pilgrimage walks, you know, um, very fit, extremely fit. You know, I was doing 800 kilometer walks. And, um, and suddenly, suddenly I realized my life was going to be different. You know, I was potentially going to, well, Parkinson's affects you two ways. One, one is that it affects your physical symptoms, uh, physicality, like, pardon me, I can't walk anymore. I can't walk long, long distances. You know, I used to, each day I used to do a 10, 15K walk. Mm. I find it hard now even just to walk up to the shops. So, mm. there's, so there's that. But it also affects your 70% of people with Parkinson's develop early dementia. Mm. Um, as a writer, that terrified me. Mm. But um, but what happened was this, and it was really quite interesting. Um, I started to think, why is this happening to me? Why has this come to me? I had really, through doing the intuition film, I, I had I had come to this point where I firmly believe nothing is random. Everything does happen for a purpose. And so I asked myself, well, what is the purpose of this? Because it has to have a purpose. It makes no sense otherwise. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense that, uh, that this would happen to me. And I thought, <clears throat> okay, there, there are two things operating here. One is that it is this is happening for me to develop as a human being, for me to experience things that I wouldn't experience any other way for me to develop spiritually, if you like. The other was I have to put this into service somehow. I can't waste this. I can't, um, this is a unique opportunity for me to give something to other people. Mm -hmm. you know, how, how, how unique is this? How special is this? This is a gift. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got to see this as a gift. Um, and in seeing it as a gift, what happened was, I then had purpose, you know, I, I then, I then, so, so many, so many things fell away. The fear fell away. Um, any kind of sense of self-pity or victimization or, oh, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Bloody hell. Why shouldn't it happen to me? Mm. I mean, look what's happened to you. Look what's happened to a whole lot of other people. Mm. Now, like I say in the film, um, you know, many 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 people way worse off than me so I saw it as a gift and, and a gift that I could share with other people and in doing that I had a sense of purpose and in having a sense of purpose um suddenly 
the disease, you know, and these symptoms become aids for me to look at the world in a different way. Now, Josie, I've got to tell you something. Um, and this might sound a bit freaky, but I'll tell you. After the intuition film, I started to meditate more intensely. I've never been a terribly good meditator, but I started to get into it more intensely. And at one point, I, I got into a deep meditation and I said, I remember saying, asking, I said, I called in my masters, my spirit guides, my angels, my archangels, and I asked them, please bring forth those challenges that will accelerate my spiritual growth. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. And it wasn't, it wasn't that long afterwards that then I experienced those tremors. Yeah. And, you know, so I bought it on, baby. I bought it on. So having bought it on, I've now got to bloody make use of it. Yeah, I guess there's two things I want to say to that. I really want to thank you for sharing that because I can relate entirely to that. I think um, for me, going through what I've been through with my health as well, and the listeners certainly know this, I've had cancer a couple of times and I've got continuing issues that I'm dealing with physically. But every single time, it's like the ante gets upped and it's like my own sense of consciousness and awareness gets amplified into a field that I hadn't fully recognized before. You know, I've always known the words, I'm in this world, but not of this world. I've never really understood that until recently, actually, to realize that we're all energy. And this is all energy. And it's all about frequency and vibration. And these different experiences come in at different layers and levels to help us elevate and ascend and transcend these adversities and challenges that are all designed to help us remember who we are exactly and your story is beautiful because it also is the reason why I do what I do because these things didn't happen at random they chose me I chose to say yes although sometimes I think I lined up in the wrong queue <laughs> <laughs> and I really would have liked a different cue. However, I know I'm up for it. And if it's fear that that it's, it appears apparent for me, I look at that and I go, okay, what am I being invited to learn here? Mm -hmm. And how can I share this for the greater good? And I really see this in you, Bill, mm -hmm. doing exactly the same thing. I commend you for having the courage and the, and the spirit to do this, not just for yourself, but for others. Thank you. Oh, Josie, look, that's very sweet you say, but look, I, I don't see it as being courageous or anything like that. I just see it as something I have to do. Yeah. Um, I, 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 um, look, I didn't tell anybody that I had Parkinson's for um, four years. I only, I, I didn't tell my children for 12 months. Mm. And for four years, it was only some very, very close friends that I told. I mean, even now, my mother, who's 95, doesn't know. Mm. Um, but I didn't tell people because I didn't want people to judge me. Mm. I didn't want people to judge me as being um, sick, incapacitated. I didn't want them to say, that's Bill Bennett, he's got Parkinson's disease. I wanted them to keep saying, that's Bill, Bill Bennett, he's a filmmaker. Mm. Um, and... 
It was only really with the, um, I, I decided that I would, that I would put it in this film on Facing Fear. Mm. Um, I start the film off with the declaration, I have Parkinson's disease. Mm. And I use that as the entry point um, for the film, which then goes on to a broader discussion about fear. So the film's not about me coping with fear of my Parkinson's. It's just the, mm. the entry point for people. And basically, um, I did that so that those people with a similar kind of um, situation mm. or, or who know somebody with a similar kind of situation could identify. Mm. My wife was very much against me putting Parkinson's in the film. Mm. Um, she was of the belief and still is of the belief that um, if you identify with the disease, you will be the disease. The disease will become you. Um, you know, to which, and she was very much against it, and she still is. Um, my my belief is this has happened for a purpose. I can't ignore this. I can't sweep it under the under the table and pretend it hasn't happened. Um, I think, in fact, I would deteriorate faster if I didn't do this because in deciding that I would do this and stand by it, it has given me purpose. And, and Josie, I'll tell you what, you know, look, strangely, I think I'm getting a little bit better. I'm certainly not deteriorating. I can tell you, you look good. When I met you, to, you know, from from visually, you didn't look like a diseased person at all. And I can absolutely <laughs> relate to this because what I'm hearing you say is that you don't want to be defined by this condition as, as I've never wanted to be defined as a, a cancer patient, although I am. It's about the integration of that experience and realizing who you are more than that. It's it's an aspect of my experience, but it's not my whole experience. Mm. And the one thing I do want to ask you about, which is something that I talk to a lot of people about when they've been diagnosed with various conditions, is mm. this concept of priming. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when the doctor looked at me and actually had a piece of paper that he handed to me with the words, six months to live, on it there was an aspect of my awareness that says I don't believe it give me proof mm. and there was an aspect of my awareness that also at that point made a really important decision and that was to fight for something rather than fight against my condition I didn't want to fight against my cancer I didn't want to fight against my fear I didn't want to fight against what I was being told I wanted to fight for life and that battle was entirely different. It was so empowering and it put me at the steering wheel to decide how I was going to determine my fate. So mm. I chose my thoughts. I chose my emotions. I observed it all, but I did not choose to believe what I was being told. Mm. You know, I'll tell you something. I was, um, for the first two years after diagnosis, I went on to Facebook groups and private Facebook groups, and, I, and I, I sat there as a lurker and I read all these <laughs> stories of these people who were going through dreadful, dreadful, dreadful times, you know, with their Parkinson's. Um, and I, um, it was just shocking. And, uh, you know, I thought, my, my God, is my life going to be like that? Anyway, so I finally, I finally got the courage up to, um, post something under my name you know and I said look 
uh, I just want to let you know, I'm actually doing pretty well. You know, I'm doing this sort of exercise. I'm eating these foods. I'm mm. taking this mm. medication and these supplements and so forth. And I'm actually doing pretty well. Mm. Well, the administrator wouldn't wouldn't post it. And I, and I, <laughs> I thought, what the hell? Mm. And then it hit me. Mm. They don't want feel-good stories. You know? Bill, there's an industry out there, right? That wants yeah. to treat conditions, doesn't want us to get well because they don't make money. So we're going to get really controversial here if we go much further. I want to stick to your story. <laughs> and I want to, I want you to just have an opportunity here to give the audience your pearls of wisdom. What have you learned? And what is it that you would like to leave people with here? Well, I guess what I've learned is this, and that is that. Um... We're more than our body. Yeah. We're more than our body. You know, we're all going to die. We're all going to deteriorate. We're all going to get old. We're all going to get infirm. Mm. Um, it might happen to some of us sooner rather than later and in different forms, but it's inevitable. Um, and it's how you, it's the grace or lack of grace you know, that, that defines you. Um, you know, Jackson Brown in one of his songs said, um, the only thing that survives is the way we live our lives. And I really felt that very, very strongly. Um, you have to, you have to keep dignity. You have to keep, you have to keep um, grace. And I guess unlike you, I'm, I don't see it as a combative sort of fighting thing. I think that I see it as absolute acceptance Mm. Um, but within that acceptance and surrender lies grace for me, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, absolutely. And when I was saying fight for, what I mean by that is having studied masters in neuroscience, mm. what I understand is that when we focus our attention yeah, absolutely. on what we don't want, yeah. We fuel all of the conditions mm -hmm. to attract that. Exactly. So it's about refocusing attention towards that yeah. which you want. So having something to fight for rather than fight against yeah. is the way to harness the, the potentials through our focus and attention. Yeah. You know, I, um, I went to the optometrist yesterday. I was in, I was coming back on this flight from America and I noticed something happened with my vision. I got um, this these sort of artifacts in my vision, um, which I now learn know are what's called floaters. So what happens at a certain age is that the mm. I won't go into the details, but basically the there's a gel on the inside of your eyeball that detaches mm. and forms these three dimensional artifacts. Mm. I went to the optometrist yesterday, and I and she said, look. Um, what you need to do is not focus on it because your brain will compensate. It, it won't go away, but mm. it will become invisible because your brain will compensate. Mm. And I thought, wow, if it can do that with these artifacts in your eyes, it can do that with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with this, so to say, where focus goes, energy flows. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well done. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Bill. Yeah. I'm just... Blown away. If people want to connect with you or know more about you, where can we direct them? Um, look, I'm pretty visible on social media and on the net. I've got a website, mm -hmm. Bill Bennett, 
www.com.au, AU for Australia, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bennett, two N's, two T's. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And I'll also direct them to the films and okay. your book as well. So what an inspiration and true light you are in the world, Bill. You've shown us that no matter what the circumstances, you really can rise and shine again. So thank you. Oh, Josie, you too. Crikey, bloody hell. (laughs) (laughs) You too, man. Now, if Bill Bennett can do it, so can you. So did you like this podcast? Share your comments with me and tell me what you loved about this interview and how it's been helpful for you. Help spread the love by sharing the link with your friends so that they too can rise and shine. So until next time, remember, it's not what happens to you that defines you. It's how you respond that counts. Shine on. You can shine.